0: there it is we're live what up ladies and gentlemen so check it out uh you know there's a lot of people going through some stuff and we're gonna have some issues when it comes to finances and business what happens if you're gonna break up with your business partner what do you do then let's find out shut up and
1: sit down business bros business bros is your show where small business professionals just like you come to tell their stories. This podcast is for those who understand the number one rule in business, which is to be of service to others. Learn how today's professionals generate leads, what's working on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of those who are out there doing the real work. And now let's welcome your hosts, Hernan Cias, the real estate bro with eXp Realty the cloud-based brokerage where top producers reign, and James C.S., the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, making sure you are covered because there's a lot riding out there. And now here are the business bros. S-H-I-T,
0: so So happy it's. Thursday. Thursday, what up <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> so we're ready to rock and roll, Tom. Hey, uh, we are, James. hang on, hang actually, on, hang actually. on.
2: Let me, g- let me give you the let intro real quick here. All right, check this out. Hit Today's it. guest is a business attorney who can help you get your brand trademarked and has built a niche in helping business owners settle disputes between partners. Our guest identifies with business owners because he respects their entrepreneurial spirit, optimism and tenacity. And because he's a business owner himself. In addition to owning a law practice, today's guest also owns Eternal Roots, LLC, where he interviews senior citizens and creates custom documentaries about their lives. That's really exciting. I'd love to hear more about that. So, from the trademark office to your speakers, from the aptly named law office of Thomas Ledgard and Eternal Roots, LLC, please welcome to the show the man himself, Tom Lidgaard. Thanks
3: for joining us. Woo. Thanks for having me, guys. You guys are cracking me up. I love how you bring all this energy. You're waking me up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, who Uh-oh. wants to listen to a boring, no
2: energetic podcast? I mean, right?
3: you know. Wide awake right now. I, Apparently, lots of
2: people
0: that listen to Joe Rogan. i ah, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, I, I like <laughs> so, uh, I almost called him Joe. You see that? Tom.
1: <laughs> Welcome well, to
0: the no program, man.
3: Hey, thanks a lot for having me.
0: So uh, let's start off with the uh, with the nitty gritty. How'd you get into this space?
3: As a lawyer, or as a business lawyer, or as a self employed business lawyer which 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 avenue would you like me to travel? Yes, then? yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, when I was in college, I was a kitchen manager, and I loved to cook, and I found it fun and exciting and challenging. But there wasn't a whole lot of meaning to the work. And so I I wanted something a little more lucrative and just, I felt a calling to go to law school. I I wanted a challenging career where I could have an impact and have some meaning and where I could, you know, make a, make a better living for myself. So that's why I chose to go into law school. Uh, I'm now in my 17th year of practice. I graduated in 2003. I went to the university of San Diego and I, uh, have an office now in Carlsbad for 14 years of my career i was a litigator so all i did was i represented parties in litigation and uh, worked in several different practice areas learned how to work up a case from start to finish and um over time i found that business disputes were a strength of mine that's where i was strongest that's where i was getting the best results from my clients and that's where uh the firms i worked at they were sending me all the business cases and so about three years ago I realized there I had way more upside being out on my own. And I felt like I was selling myself short by collecting a paycheck and working for a law firm. And also we were uh, doing insurance coverage and I was representing insurance carriers. And I felt like I was, you know, Darth Vader is the person I was working for. That's how it felt. So I took the leap. I left my firm in April of 2017 and went out on my own and I had one client. And uh, I've just had to like scrape and figure it out. And, and brand myself. And then after going on, on my own, I expanded my practice areas and I started doing more transactional work, doing things to help businesses avoid the courtroom altogether. So with my background as a litigation attorney, I can see with this fact pattern or with this with this poorly drafted contract, how this can play out down the road because I've been there. So now I'm helping people at the inception of their businesses and I'm trying to put them in a position of strength or help them avoid litigation altogether. So now I'm doing Entity formations. I'm writing contracts, and uh, I'm doing trademark, which is my favorite area of the law altogether. And I got some exciting stuff I'm I'm working on there. So there's my background for you.
0: Nice. So when it comes to the the business side of things, when you're structuring at the beginning, oftentimes that's when the idea phase is super exciting, right? Everybody's like, you know, I got this idea. We're going to implement. I'm going to put together this team, and everybody's just jazzed and pumped. and then you kind of fast forward and you you said you graduated in 2003. So you've been through uh, some of those 2008 economic times. We're hitting some of these hard economic times. When things are good, everything is awesome. Nobody's really complaining. When things are bad, that's when people's true colors start to come out. That's when we start with the finger pointing and people decide maybe this isn't for me. I'm walking away. What kind of stuff are you seeing uh, as far as your clientele and, you know, when you're properly set up and then otherwise when we're not properly set up?
3: Sure. I'm seeing two different kinds of clients are coming to me right now, new clients. Um, The one variety of client that's coming to me is coaches. So people in various coaching spaces. So I just dropped my notes. All right. So there's all kinds of coaches coming to me. Usually it's business coaches. And these are people who can work from home. They don't need an office. They don't need to go out and and meet with people in person. They don't have a brick and mortar store. And so a lot of coaches are starting their businesses right now. And those are people who are freshly unemployed or underemployed. And so they're deciding to go for it and chase their dream right now. And I I applaud them because I think right now in this climate we're in right now, it's very fertile ground to take bold action. So go now, don't sit around and wait. So that's one kind of client I'm getting right now. Another kind of client I'm getting right now is people who are in certain contractual situations could be a lease or could just be like a business contract where uh, due to the changing circumstances, this just isn't working out. This contract is not feasible. It's not realistic anymore. And so I'm coaching people on their their rights and their options arising from their contract in light of uh, COVID and the lockdown. So those are a couple of the themes I'm seeing this month. So
0: how, how does one exit uh, gracefully if there was no contract in place? I've, I know there's a lot of people who've gotten into business uh, on a handshake, for example. And they're like, we're going to go. We're going to do this. We're going to go 50-50. Um, and they kind of put the entity structure on the back burner. They're going to end up doing something later down the road. Later down the road doesn't actually show up. And now they're going to kind of break up. How do we like – you know? set ourselves up. It's kind of like a divorce. You didn't kind of, you didn't sign a prenup. You didn't go into it with a uh, forward thinking of exiting, but now exiting is an option. How do I avoid things getting
3: ugly at that point? Gosh, you know, it's kind of hard not to. So let's say nothing's happening in the business. It's kind of stagnant. Probably nothing's going to happen, but let's say the business is losing money. Then the issue becomes, okay, well, who absorbs this loss and how do we unwind this thing or how do we dig out? Or let's say they're making big money. Now, how, how does the money get allocated? What if one partner wants to reinvest the money and another partner wants to pocket the money and take distributions? This is why you need to have clear understandings and agreements at the outset. Uh, you don't just figure, okay, well, we'll deal with that later when we're making money. No, if you guys are starting to when, when you start making money, that's when problems arise because you guys might be pulling in different directions. So it, it's critical at the outset that you, you, you get your entity formed, you get your your legal infrastructure in place, especially if you've got a partner. Uh, I've litigated partnership disputes and those are very expensive cases to, to litigate. I've had cases where there's been no paperwork between the partners and they just go and now they're making seven figures and, uh, and then one person sues for judicial dissolution. They're trying to blow up the company. And so uh, that could have been avoided if they documented their relationship at the outset. I've also litigated cases where people write up contracts like on a cocktail napkin like this and uh, don't have an attorney vet it and there's just some deal points and then something goes wrong and now I'm litigating this piece of paper and that's my contract that I'm stuck with. And had they had legal counsel and done this the right way, they could have saved themselves so much money. I saw someone go out of business for this very reason last year.
0: So when I've always heard you can have a contractual agreement Written on a napkin, it's okay to have that as far as you know what's legally binding. You you have two parties that agree, there's some sort of consideration, and boom, you have a contract, right? Sure. Um, but how much does that actually hold up when it comes to major issues? What's why have what why have something more in depth that an attorney draws up versus something that you're having together, you know, on a on a napkin, for example?
3: One thing I see, I, I mean, I, I use. Uh, cocktail napkin, just kind of half, half jokingly. I've seen some that are pretty close to that. Um, when a layperson is writing a contract, there might be terms, there might be big gaping holes in certain clauses where it's subject to interpretation. And when it's a clause is subject to multiple constructions or interpretations, it's deemed ambiguous, and then it's construed against the drafter. And who construes it? The the court does, which means you're in litigation. So yeah, you can draw up something and have it, as you said, as long as there's an offer and acceptance and consideration, that's the legal definition of a contract. A contract is simply a promise that the law will enforce and they don't necessarily have to be in writing. Um, But it's a really bad idea to go into business with an oral contract or with something that hasn't been vetted by counsel. Uh, There's provisions you can put in there To manage expectations and then you want to think about contingencies like what could potentially go wrong and how do we deal with it here uh, proactively preemptively instead of being reactive down the road when something happens that you didn't foresee so there's there's things you can put into place to account for problems in the future before they happen and that's what happens when you work with an attorney and have your contract done right as opposed to doing the cocktail napkin. There's nothing wrong with like putting down deal points. Put your deal points, reduce them to writing. That's fine. Then take them to your council and have them converted into an actual contract. All right, let's take right. a different right. one. Yeah. Uh, how about
0: we're in business. Maybe there's three, four, five, ten 10 partners, whatever. Um, you want to essentially kick a partner out they are no longer maybe uh, doing their managing position correctly. Maybe they're not contributing. Maybe they they can't hold up their end of uh, losses or whatever it is. Uh, what's the process like for basically kicking somebody out who was initially part of your contract to get in? You know, it, it,
3: I, I hate to give such a lawyerly answer, but it really depends on the circumstances. There isn't like a magic bullet answer that ap- applies in all circumstances. But to take a bird's eye view, I'd say that it's you start with your governing documents. You know, if it's a corporation, I look to the bylaws. If it's uh, an LLC, I'll look to the operating agreement. That's where I'm going to start, and then I'll look at the totality of the circumstances. What are the communications? Do you guys have any agreements between you? Have there been any loans between the company? What's the voting power among the members? Okay, so does the do your governing documents give the majority owners? an option to kick somebody out. Um, So it's that hopefully that's something you consider at the outset. And it's really been my experience that the more partners there are, there's more potential for people to be pulling in different directions. And when people start pulling in such opposite directions that the, the company can no longer effectively function, you have what's called an impasse. And when there's an impasse that's grounds for a judge to dissolve the company, it's called judicial dissolution. So, I, I, I'd say be very cautious about having too many partners involved in a business at all because, um, the more people you have, the, the too many cooks in the kitchen, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, what is this person bringing to the table? Is this person bringing capital, know how, expertise, connections, technical knowledge? And what is everybody bringing to the table? Because if there's too many people, one person is going to start thinking, I'm doing too much. What do I need these people for? And then, and then we're gonna have problems down the road. Especially That's if it's crazy. not properly documented. That's judicial
2: dissolution. So, sure so the court can actually force the company to shut down.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's Absolutely. the name of the cause of action. Judicial dissolution.
0: That's crazy, huh? I didn't I didn't even think that was a... what well let me dig a little bit deeper. What would be considered an impasse? Like at what point uh you know do we qualify as We've we you know we're just in an argument versus we're stuck at this point.
3: I think you just hit it right there. I mean, look, business owners disagree on stuff all the time. You know, we have to be respectful and listen to each other. And sometimes you agree to disagree, or sometimes you compromise. But if it gets to a point, really, the legal standard is when it gets to a point that the business can no longer function. You guys can't serve your clients. You can't perform into your contracts. uh, You can't function. It's like organ failure in a body. Like the the body stops working if the the kidneys don't work. So if the if the business can't move forward anymore, let's say one partner freezes the other out of the bank accounts. Like, okay, no, you're not I'm not letting you see the accounting. I'm not letting you see the bank accounts. Um I'm cutting you out of the uh, cutting you out of that. You're at an impasse. And so right there you've got grounds. But, you know, there could be all kinds of circumstances. I'm just going to giving you some examples that pop into my imagination.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
3: it, you you gave the the actually the the right answer, which is it depends.
0: I have a, a a background in taxes, and that's if if you ever ask somebody a tax question and they give you an exact answer without hearing the details, run as fast, fast as you can. The answer should always be it depends.
3: <laughs> All professionals should say it depends.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So uh, let's let's insurance uh, too. Insurance too. L- let me ask you uh a little bit of a pivot question here. Um, what's with the documentaries of the uh, elderly? How did you go from litigating and dealing with with trademarks and and law to moving over and creating documentaries?
3: Actually, law led to me doing the documentaries, which then led to me doing trademarks, which then led to me getting away from the documentaries, and now I'm all in on trademarks. So I had kind of a weird uh, uh, path that my career took me on. So it about four and a half years ago i decided to interview my grandfather he was 96 at the time and i'm a lawyer i own a crappy video camera and i just it just popped in my head that uh i want to get his life story recorded and you know i i interview witnesses under oath i interview people by by videotape and videotape depositions this is in my skill set and i own a video camera and you know if grandpa passed away and i didn't do this or if i didn't try I think I'd be kind of upset at myself. So I felt I wanted to do it to honor him and I wanted to do it for the family. And it was also kind of a way for me to get to know him. And so he agreed. I went over to his house and uh, I didn't even own a tripod. I didn't have a microphone. I, I didn't think to charge my battery. And so I took an ottoman and stacked a bunch of every book and magazine I can find in my grandfather's house. I stacked it, put the camera up there on top. And then I just kind of took his deposition. I made several pages of notes on a legal pad. And then I just had a conversation with him. I went through his whole life story. My camera died cause I didn't think to charge my batteries. So then I had to switch and use my cell phone and lean down and hold my cell phone. So it's pretty low tech. Uh, the audio is not great. This is the first one I did, but it was a cool experience. And I could tell that my grandfather got value because he got his story out and it's meaningful for people to be heard. And especially when you know, okay, this is going to live after I'm gone. Like my story is going to continue after I'm gone. And and then for me doing the interview, all of his wisdom washed out over me. So there was benefit all around. And then the whole family got to learn about grandpa John's life. So I taught myself video editing and, and then I realized I had photos of his life. So I started taking photos and merging them into the video that brought his stories to life. So as he's talking about Uh, being a a bomber in World War II, I had all kinds of pictures of him in uniform. So I started fading in with that. I just kind of brought life to it, gave it a documentary feel. I then transcribed it and turned it into a hardcover book, also with, with the photos. And in that process, I shared it online. This is what I was doing. I took a selfie with my grandfather, put it up on Facebook. And people were saying, I wish I did that when my dad was alive. And when I was driving home and I was kind of turning it over my brain and I went, Oh my gosh, there's a business here. And I remember exactly where I was and I realized there's something here. This, this is something I should do. So I hatched eternal roots, your custom documentary and started promoting that, put up a website and uh, a few months later. So I started doing that for people found to be very rewarding work, very labor intensive. Then I, realized that the county bar association has a memorial they do annually for lawyers and judges who pass and they get nominated to like this hall of fame you get a plaque in the courthouse in perpetuity i pitched them and said hey i'm a lawyer and a videographer why don't we do memorial videos for these nominees and to my shock they hired me and entrusted me to make six memorial videos for lawyers and judges that were screened in front of the whole legal community And so I've done that for three years in a row, and I'm going to be doing it again this year once, whenever lockdown gets lifted, so I can start interviewing people. So that took my career in totally different paths. And I found I was too busy in my law firm doing the video work to to churning out billable hours, which is what the law firm wanted me to do. So that's what gave rise to me leaving. And I thought, okay, I'm going to be a full-time videographer. I'll kind kind of practice law on the side. I went out and I trademarked Eternal Roots and uh, I'd never done a trademark before. I really didn't know anything about it, educated myself on it, filed the application and I screwed it up. <laughs> and, uh, I, I messed it up bad. And um, I got hit with a, an office action, which is a denial, but there is issues that I had to overcome that were curable. So I just figured it out and got my own through. And then when that piece of paper arrived in the mail, the, the trademark certificate, I was kind of hooked. I, I really, I, that, that, that certificate is framed at my office right now. I started offering trademark as a service to, uh, to clients of mine. And now three years later, that's like the majority of what my practice is, is doing trademarks.
0: That's, you know, that's an amazing story. First of all, I always talk about how, uh, generationally i could never explain to my kids what my grandfather was like like he, he, they will never know his voice his mannerisms his sense of humor you know none of that it it's gone you know when he passed it passed best um, we
2: can do is an impersonation Attaboy, a boy cowboy
0: yeah exactly right but for for like my kids like right now it could be a moment in time where my grandchildren or great-grandchildren are watching me Or watching this show or, you know, and they can connect. They're like, oh, that's what, you know, great grandpa used to talk about, or that's what he thought or whatever it is. The power of having that video is amazing. And and what you're doing is, is, you know, awesome because you're really capturing somebody's Full complete history and documenting it to be passed on. I mean, you have people, you know, companies like Ancestry that are kind of doing that for for really past generations. You're taking them right now while they're still here in their own words that can be passed on generation after generation. This is where your history comes from.
3: If you tie that into diving into this, I would have grabbed one of the books. I got a book in my other room, like one of the documentary books, like the the transcription. Uh, I wish I thought about that. I knew I would have brought it out for you guys.
0: Well, let me ask you this because. Um, speaking from a legal standpoint, when you were saying that, I was wondering, you know, is it when you do a deposition, when you record somebody video wise, and maybe they're giving essentially, uh, also their last will and testament video wise, does that hold up versus having it written and signed?
3: Um, you actually need, a, 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 a written signed and notarized and witnessed instrument to have an enforceable trust or will. I mean, that's, uh, you can do a video one. To, uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not an estate planning lawyer. I know some estate planning lawyers do offer kind of video services where they have the person talking about how they want their their estate to be disposed. Um, but that's not what I do. I do a totally different thing. What I do is I go through the life story. You know, like your your ancestry, childhood, education, marriage, family, career, and then we get into spiritual reflective kind of stuff I don't get into who gets who gets your car I don't get into that stuff so it's not
2: even on the legal side it's really just a presentation that you show probably at the funeral or something like that
3: actually the one I do is the one I make is like three hours long and so I chop it up into chapters and so each chapter is a standalone file but I do have a memorial package and in fact frankly memorial work is actually my favorite kind of video work to do um And so, like, for for example, my grandfather's video, I took the three hours and I condensed it down to 18 minutes. And when his memorial came, uh, the whole family, we got to watch a condensed version of his life story. And I put it to music and it was just for the family. Uh, I put all kinds of, you know, copyrighted music that you can never see the light of day. It was just something we saw in an intimate way, just the family. And it was a, a really cool bonding, healing experience for all of us to go through that. And so a uh, uh, memorial work is very uh, meaningful to me. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I did based on how you were describing it, I didn't think it was on, on the legal side. I just was wondering if that's anything that comes up, you know, that sort of thing, but the, the beautiful aspect of your work, the, the heartfelt part of your work, I, you know, I'm surprised that that's not what you're doing more so than, than the trademarking. Um, once you, once you convert them into books, once you convert their stories into documentaries, do they have the capability of then turning around and selling these types of things? You know, like people's stories are amazing. Life is much more interesting than fiction oftentimes. And you Mm. can kind of turn things around and, and, you know, inflate things. And I'm sure stories are told a little bit differently at the age of 96 than they were when they were happening at the age of 26. Right. But, uh, but i'd imagine this is something that that you know you can take to a whole different level beyond just the creation of stuff people can you know i i for example Um, we went and did a photo shoot not too long ago with the family. And I remember when I go do a photo shoot, I would get, you know, an eight by 11 or whatever, an eight by 10 picture in a frame, that sort of stuff. Well, nowadays you can get pictures on the mugs and you can get your little, you know, book created all kinds of different creative aspects that go along with just the one photo shoot. And I'd imagine once you have that kind of, you know, three hour storyline, there's so many different things that you can go and do with that content. Uh, what are families requesting of you when you do create these types of things? Is it just a standard package or do they tend to ask you for other things?
3: I've had I've had some times there have been situations where people have asked for custom things that I didn't think of. And uh, you know, if you're in your own head and you don't take feedback from the outside, you're not going to grow. You're going to be stagnant. And so some of my best ideas in that business weren't even my ideas. They came from other people and I just was open-minded enough to implement them. For example, uh, someone contacted me, a friend of mine contacted me and her anniversary was coming up and she wanted to do a surprise video for her husband. And so I interviewed her and her kids and his parents and I put together like a 30-minute reel of them talking about what an awesome person he is and I set it to music and I made it kind of campy and funny. And then I went to their party, they had a memorial, a memorial, anniversary party and then she surprised him with it she sat him down and put the video on and i got to watch him watching his own video so i thought that was brilliant and so i created something called the tribute package that came from somebody else and so that's something that i offer so sometimes uh people will hire me okay interview my dad get his life story but on the down low i'm interviewing all of his friends and family and doing uh, a tribute video for him so when when this one gentleman had his 75th birthday I did a condensed version of his life story that was screened in front of the whole room. But then also we surprised him with the tribute video that he didn't know was coming. So that was a really cool thing.
0: Yeah. when Whenever you have a product that makes people cry in a positive way, <laughs> tears of joy, right? <laughs> I, I would, I guess he could argue if, if you make people cry, period, uh, you have something that's, that's shareable, something that people want to do, uh, for another person. and. I'm, I'm I'm wondering you kind of you kind of mentioned how you created that video and you were you got to see them. What are people's expressions? What are they feeling? What do they tell you, or what do the what do you see from them when they see a tribute video created for them?
3: I've watched two people watch their tributes, so I've seen it. Um, I think there's just a, a there, it's it's a little overwhelming. I think so. They kind of almost go catatonic, like they're just. <laughs> Because they're, they're just so overwhelmed by the love and adoration and edification that they're hearing from everybody. I think it's probably a lot to take in. And uh, so in the moment, I think the person's a little bit stunned, a little bit dazed, in a good way. Um, but I could just imagine how it would feel like if your significant other presented you with a video of her and your kids and your parents and your friends talking about their love for you. Like that's powerful stuff. I mean, in my opinion, you can't give someone a more meaningful gift than
0: that. No, nah, absolutely not. It reminds me of uh, like, you know, Mother's Days around the corner. And one of the sad things about what's going on today is uh, the kids aren't in school making their Mother's Day cards, those handmade little mm-hmm. stuff. You know, the artwork sucks. It's horrible, but it's came from the heart, (laughs) right? The kid made it themselves. They had, you know, there, maybe there's a little school picture or whatever it is. And even though the macaronis are half fallen off and the cotton balls might be, you know, not lined up or whatever, those are the things that moms really, really cherish, really keep. And, and, you know, they, they put it away for a long time and, and that's what, that's the product that you guys are, are offering to people. But the macaronis line up, and the <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> right the well, See, all, all I'm hearing
2: is you're going to have to get the kids to uh, do some arts and crafts for mom this weekend. Yeah, right? I
3: know. it's. it's well, I'm not gonna be divorced, <laughs> but I'm going to be. I'll 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 step up and do that. I'm going to make sure my kids at least make her a card and they color on it and do something for her. Um, but you know, with that with that business venture, technically the LLC is still live. The website is still up. I'm not promoting it. And I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted about that, but I wouldn't have traded this journey for anything because I've learned so much because now I'm a business lawyer and I can tell people, not only I, I'm, I'm a business owner too, like I'm running my own law office. That is a business, but I've also run my own business too. And so I know a little bit of a thing or two about being in business. And so whatever I'm talking about with my clients, maybe I've litigated this issue, Maybe I've consulted another client on this issue, or maybe I've encountered this issue as a business owner myself. And so I think that that makes me uniquely situated. So I'm really grateful for this experience. But I found, I've learned some hard lessons doing this. And the, name, the main lesson, like I want to give your, your viewers some value here. The main lesson I learned was don't do everything yourself. And so I was I did every aspect of the business all by myself. And I found it was too much all the video editing and the transcription and the book assembly. Um, it was, there's was so much work. It just, I was overwhelmed. And then I'm trying to run a law practice on top of that. And then I got divorced a couple of years ago. So then I found myself a single dad half the time running a videography business and running a law practice. It was, it was too much. And so I realized that if you chase too many rabbits, you're not going to catch any of them. And I found that both of my business ventures were suffering because my attention and efforts and energy were diffused. And I decided just in like the last nine months, focus my energy in one direction and let's see what happens. And so in the last nine months, I've really been all in on my law practice. And I found that my law practice has flourished. And candidly, if you look at my effective hourly rate, between being a lawyer and being a videographer, it doesn't even compare, it doesn't even come close. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you know a
0: lawyer that could probably draw up a good partnership agreement amongst people who are in the video and transcribing industry. So if uh, somebody wanted to come along and uh, build an adequate team to help you run this, you would oversee a, an awesome project that touched the hard strings. <laughs> I, I know I'm putting words in your mouth. <laughs> that it, touched the it, hard it, strings, it But but it's it's uh it's you know that that's really the key here is is you need to develop a team if that's something that you really wanted to push something a, a little bit different because it is a time consumption and you're you're 100 correct this is this is where we call burnout right this is where people mm-hmm. drop off and they quit and it's not because the product sucked it's not because you know you couldn't get customers it's because literally there are 24 hours in a day and you were using them all up without really hitting the financial obligations that you needed to
3: and look at you you have no hair just like me. You've been there. <laughs> you know, I, I listened to an audio book recently. I don't remember called the title, but the theme of the book was the main reason why most businesses fail is because the owners try to do everything themselves. And so, you know, you've got a, a trade or a profession where you're an expert, but you're not an expert in accounting, in the books, or marketing, or I don't know all the other a- aspects of the business. No, you're you're an expert in your trade or profession. Maybe you're not cut out to be a business owner. You know, maybe you're better off being an employee. Uh, Owning a business isn't for everyone. And yeah, if you really want to do it right and scale, you got to get out of your own way and bring in a team. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I neglected to do when I was doing that venture. So the LLC is live. I still have the trademark and uh, I'm open-minded to that happening one day. Right now I'm all in on my law practice, but I'm starting to take my own medicine there. So like I've got a paralegal I'm working with and I'm going to be onboarding an assistant soon because I have been doing everything myself and I need to take my own advice because I counsel my clients on this kind of thing and I got to take my own medicine too. So (laughs) regardless of your industry, you know, real estate or insurance, I'm sure you guys have people helping you out too. You're not doing everything. I would think.
0: I hope not. No way. No way. I mean, you're absolutely right. We did for a little while. That was called training. And then it was team building and uh, systems and implementation because otherwise, you're you're absolutely right. Burnout, we've done that before <laughs> with other businesses. So yeah, uh, Tom, give me a give me a quick little heads up. How do people get a hold of you if they want to work with
3: you? The best way for people to find me is just through my website. Um, is there a way we can drop the link, the yeah, my yep. URL, in the thread? Okay, we can do that. Just just through my website's a great way to reach me. I do have a YouTube channel up. Uh, it's called Ladegard Law. And in there, I've got a series of like three-minute videos where I explain what trademarks are and how they work and what they are not and how the process works. Um, And so I can be found on YouTube. I'm very active on Facebook. I get a lot of my business from Facebook. So I'm always happy to connect with people there. Uh, There we go. There's my website. Thank you. Perfect.
0: And uh, do you have a a contact number or anything uh, people can reach out to you or, uh,
3: or your social media? Um, I can give you my number. It's 858-699-2461, but that's all over the website as well. Perfect. Perfect. All right, cool.
0: Well, again, uh, I want to thank you for uh, spending some time with us. And honestly, both the, uh, the litigation side, super important. Trademarking, I mean, well, that's something that we might need to be talking about soon because uh, we haven't trademarked any of our stuff. Uh, and, yeah. and lastly, I mean that, you know, what you were doing in interviewing and, and creating those document uh, documentaries, something that I think should continue going forward, whether or not uh, you decide to, to do it yourself or, I know there's there's people in the space, in the podcast space that, I mean, that's a one great idea to just sit down and talk to people and listen to their stories. I, I always say that podcasting has been one of the greatest things in my life because I get to be like the matrix and literally plug into somebody else's story and learn from them. And the wisdom that that uh, that our older generation has from years of experience and one of the things to see in their eyes, the things they regret. Because once you can look at at somebody and they can tell you the things that you can, that they regret at their age, when they're done, they don't have the, the time. They don't have the physical ability. They don't have, you know, uh, the motivation to do a lot of these things at their age. And you're still young enough to not step in the same hole, to take that wisdom and implement it.
3: That's actually one of the reasons why I went out on my own, why I started that eternal roots business and why I quit the law firm. I thought, you know, when I'm, in my 90s, and I'm looking back on my life, or I'm, you know, on my deathbed, I don't want to look back on my life and think, you know, I wish I'd build more hours working for these law firms. I wish I played it. I'm, I'm really glad I played it safe. No, I didn't. I didn't want to have regret. You know, I wish I went for it. What if? Gosh, I regret not doing that. I didn't want to live with that regret. So that's why I started that business, and that's why I quit my job and stopped stopped working for other people and, and went out on my own because I don't want to have that regret.
0: And that's it. That's what it comes down to. Find what you're passionate about. Don't live in regret. Again, uh, Tom, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all we got for you guys today. Peace. Bye-bye. And
1: we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you interested in being on the show? Are you looking to sell your home or have a business that needs insurance? Reach out to the Business Bros via email